1: What is going on, everybody? This is episode number 295 of the Talking Shop podcast, and a lot of you have probably already guessed, I am not Brad Rowland. This is Eric Cole. I am filling in for Brad on this fine July 4th, as he takes a well-deserved weekend off uh, from lots of Hawks coverage to doing, doing this podcast on a weekly basis. The man needed a break, and frankly, Scott and I demanded that he take a break, so <laughs> we decided to get together. Scott, how are you, my man?
2: I'm good, Eric. Happy 4th to everybody out there. I hope everybody's enjoying the holiday weekend and good to be on with you. It's it's funny when we were when we were talking about this podcast a little bit earlier this week, it seemed like all the stars were finally aligning for uh to finally break five hundred and, and it seemed like the Braves had finally turned a corner. And then of course we know what happened this weekend against the Marlins, two just really tough losses and as we've said a few times, I think the theme of this podcast this year has been Groundhog Day. Like we're doing the same thing, and man, it was a it was an up and down week, but plenty to talk about, and and good to be on with you.
1: Yeah, it's definitely Charlie Brown in the in the football, right? Like you know, like they, it looks like that they kind of get like the they beat the yeah. Dodgers two out of three. You're like, okay, that's a really good team. They just took took two out of three from, and then they proceed to like lose a bunch of games. Then they win a, a, like a series. They absolutely had to win against the Mets. They they end up winning a game that Jacob Degrom starts this week. And then they lose – well, I will say this. They're currently 3-2 and two this week. And I went on record as last the last podcast to say that they don't have a winning record this week. The Braves are not making the playoffs. Now, they have a winning record at the moment. However, currently with one out in the bottom of the ninth, the Braves are losing by the score of 7-3 to three in this game. And the bottom of the order is coming up, which mm-hmm. uh, oddly enough – is still somehow, resulting in somehow having two batters on. So I guess it's theoretically possible that could still happen, but the odds are pretty slim at this point that that's going to happen. It's likely that they'll lose this series to the Marlins. Pretty disappointing, Scott, to say the least. I mean, like it, it felt yeah. like that this, this stretch is one they had to just really make a bunch of hay with.
2: Yeah, after a, a good series against the Mets, um, the final three series before the All-Star break was the Marlins, who have played the Braves tough all year, to be fair, but a Marlins team that is, like, dead last in every offensive category, and then the Pirates, who have been terrible for many, many years, and then the Marlins again. Uh, Baseball's weird. Nothing's guaranteed. As you said, one time they'll they'll go out and and win a series against the Dodgers and then, of course, lose it the next weekend against the Marlins. That's just how baseball is. But for a team that is so desperate to find some consistency and to finally break through – it was a, a very frustrating. Once again, there's just there's just no offense to speak of with this team. And as good as the pitching staff has been, at some point the offense has to pick up the slack. And lately, it's it's been two or three guys at the top of the order doing all of the offense and scoring for this team. And if if those guys just don't happen to produce that night, it's it's one run, it's two runs, it's three runs. And no matter how good your pitching staff is going, at some point you have to have to support the pitchers with a little bit of offense.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a recipe for a middling team. Is I mean, like, the Braves have and, – and you'll hear – when we pick out the games this week, you're going to hear basically the same three names over and over again on offense. It's basically what's going to happen. It's going to be Ronnie, it's going to be Freddie for, for some bits, and it's going to be Ozzy, who's been nuts, by the way. He's been nuts so far. He didn't have a particularly great game today, but he's been really good this week. After that, though, this hasn't happened. And, you know, we had we had, like, the game yesterday where there was, like, no extra base hits to be found whatsoever, and – you know losing all these really close games I mean it feels like this team could be realistically in first place if they just you know found a way to score like uh, just a few extra runs scattered over a few games they'd be well you know well healthily above 500 they yeah. just haven't had to do it and it's been a consistent problem you know we 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 had there's certainly one game that's going to be offensively fun to talk about but uh, this week but before we kind of get into the games this week uh, a couple of newsy type items uh Scott your favorite topic all-star game voting results were announced buddy um, and, uh, Braves have Ron, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman as starters. Uh, that, Freddie hasn't been particularly great, but, you know, the, the first base position in the National League hasn't been particularly great this year overall anyway. So, and Ronnie, I think was a very, very deserving starter on this, on this LL team. I think that Ozzy was probably the biggest snub, uh, but, like, and people will, like, talk about, you know, how, how much better that Ozzy's been lately than Adam Frazier. But Adam Frazier's been, or had a really good year too. Did you have any problems with kind of how those results came out?
2: No, it's always cool. I mean, really, I my feeling is I hope they have fun, and I hope they don't get hurt. And after they after Freddie and Ronald get their two at bats, I hope they're uh, they're pulled and, and enjoy their time off and are able to, to take a little bit of a mental and physical breather, um, even traveling out west to Denver. But yeah, it's it's cool that anytime you, you watch the game with Freddie and Ronald out there, it's it's great. Um, and Aussie is is very deserving. I do think baseball. I always question a little bit. I mean, we'll never know the actual voting numbers. Um, I'm sure there's a benefit for baseball of having players from all the different teams, and I'm not going full-on conspiracy theory here by any means, but I I do wonder a little bit if you're telling me that the the Pirates who have been in last place for like six years – and and Frazier was able to dig up more votes than Ozzy, who was like a certified star playing for a a massive, (laughs) right? Like I'm not trying to go tinfoil hat here, but I always, I always raise my eyes a little bit at that. But Hey, if, if it gives Ozzy, I am firmly in the camp. I don't know how you feel, but I'm firmly in the camp of if, if a Braves player is not added to the team, I'm cool with it. It gives him four full days off. We know how much of a grind it is this year and, Um, I'm cool to let everyone take a breather, step back, spend some time with their, you know, their family or uh, whatever they do and, and get ready for hopefully a better second half, but the no, no crazy takeaways from the announcement.
1: Yeah. I, Again, you know, it's also one of those things too, like Adam Franger has like the highest batting average and like the people who are voting for the All Star game, they're not like looking at like overall war, they're not looking at like extra base hits or how they've been in the month of June and stuff like that. They're just like, you know, who has the highest batting average? Okay, I'm probably picking that guy. Amongst people who are just kind of like filling out their ballots for their team and they like their their second baseman like is legitimately terrible, right? So like I can understand why it happens. Yeah. But, I mean, the, I, I, don't get me wrong, I, for, I do fully appreciate the tinfoil hat level conspiracies, <laughs> because, uh, there, there could certainly be, uh, something there, you know, and again, it's, it's, it's win-win, right? Like, if Ozzy gets the chance, he'll get, he'll get in a bat in a game, it's very unlikely that he ends up hurting himself, but he still gets the recognition that he deserves, because he's a very, very good player, and deserves to be recognized for how good he's been this year. But if he doesn't, he gets some rest, and then, you know, hopefully all this entire team will be able to reset, do, uh, do, during the all-star break in the hopes that they can like kind of help salvage this thing. Cause right now the odds are not looking particularly good. If you're handicapping bit playoff odds for the Atlanta Braves professional baseball club in 2021, uh, I, I'm at under 10% of that happening and that's not great obviously, but you know, it's, I just think that the combination of, you know, we can't expect the entirety of the rest of the division to remain terrible. And then the Braves also to figure out how to play baseball again when they can't mm-hmm. beat terrible teams. Now uh, is pretty rough. So yeah, Um, The
2: the one. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, as each day passes and they they keep losing these winnable games, games they need to take advantage of part of why it's so crucial that they win these final two weeks of the first half is the schedule gets a lot tougher, like a lot tougher after the break, they're going to see the Padres. Uh, they're going to see the Milwaukee Brewers who are quietly on like an 11 game winning streak. Um, uh, they have a five-game series with the Mets, which of course is very important. And uh, you and I were talking off air just before this, but the reason the Braves are still in this is because of the National League East. They're yep. as of recording this, they're going to be four or five games back as of July 5th, essentially four or five games back, which is nothing for with with half a season to go. If they were in the Central. They would be about nine games behind the Brewers, and if they were in the West, which has just been an absurd division, uh, they would be like 13 games behind the Giants and the Dodgers and a few less of that of the Padres. So, it's certainly not over. But as you said, the, the chances don't look great, and really the only real hope and chance they're clinging on is is the Mets and the rest of the East have not been very good. And if if that were to change, they they better step it up in a hurry because. Uh, as we know, it's it's not an insurmountable lead, but the the calendar is quickly progressing here.
1: No, it's definitely not insurmountable. And uh, oddly enough, as we record this, uh, the the gentleman that we're going to be talking about next does have an RBI single in the bottom of the ninth of this game. Uh, <laughs> and, and the Braves have bases loaded for one out with Abraham Almonte at the plate. So we'll see how have that to
2: goes. Go, yeah, live play-by-play here pretty soon. <laughs> <Yeah. similar. laughs>
1: oh, the, the worst was when we were um, – that we had, they had just lost the game against the Cardinals, like the nightmare first first inning. And Brad and I are recording as the Nationals clinch over the Dodgers. Uh, yeah. like that. Like I had multiple people DM me said that pain that you guys <laughs> showed on the mic felt so real, and I'm like, it really was. It was pretty that brutal. That was uh, a
2: dark for, day for baseball fandom.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that one stung a little bit, and I'm like, I cannot believe it. Cannot believe. It. I think Howie Kendrick had a grand slam or something. It was I don't know. It was it was uh, it was real bad. Um. So, but the gentleman we're obviously talking about here is Orlando Arcia. Uh, was recalled to the Braves. Uh, the Braves did not need a fifth starter, so that's why they sent Kyle Muller back down to Gwinnett. For anyone who's worried, you know, there's nothing wrong with Kyle. He's been pitching great for the Braves, I think, is, you know, considering, like, what you kind of expect from, like, the fifth best option for your rotation this year, what's kind of what they had to go down to. Uh, they certainly didn't want to ro- keep running out Kyle, R- Kyle right out there. Bryce Wilson seems to be falling out a little bit of favor, too. But Kyle's been great, but they didn't, didn't need the fifth starter going into the All-Star break. So send him down to Gwinnett. Keep him kind of on his regular rotation. He'll be right back up as soon as he's eligible, and it would like be like it never, nothing really ever happened. But Arcia comes up as to kind of bolster this team's bench slash starting lineup, which again, so far so good. He had a couple of hits today, including that RBI single in the bottom of the ninth, which is good news. But, uh, worth noting, career 71 WRC plus hitter in the major leagues. Uh, as good as he's been for the Gwinnett Stripers and, you know, and all, and all those things, he certainly has some prospect pedigree. This isn't a guy who's like been a career has done much in the major leagues. So like when you when they call him up, I mean, are we kind of on the same page there? Is this a, you know he he's probably better than what the Braves have been running out there on occasion, but we're not like expecting him to be Babe
2: Ruth. <laughs> yeah, I, I think given what production they've gotten out of the corners, um, it, Abraham Almonte has been okay.
1: Um, <laughs> you might want to put a pin on that. He
2: just yeah. Want- Ira uh Adrianza has been okay. Yeah, so RC is not a star by any means. He had some prospect pedigree and that's why he's a known name in baseball circles and he's he's been around the block a little bit. He has about 1800 plate appearances at the big league level. So he is he is not a young man by any means, but as you said, he was hitting pretty well in the minors. Um he he's a guy who at least coming up had a, a lot of hype and people thought he could be an everyday star for for Milwaukee and Hey, if he can give the team a boost, I don't think you can count on anything just given his history. But if he can give the team a boost, um, even for a couple of weeks, as we see what the Braves decide to do with the trade deadline here, um, it would be a big, big boost.
0: Absolutely.
1: absolutely. Just being able to like get something out of that bottom of the lineup and just you know give I – mean, like he's also a guy that can give a guy like Dansby who's been very suspect – Uh, in the lineup days off here and there, you know, he's a guy who can fill in, he can play multiple places around the field where not only is he going to be kind of in those outfield spots that have been, again, probably some of the more suspect ones, but he also give other guys days off too. It's a really good piece to have on the, on the roster. I have no issues whatsoever. So, kind of getting into the games this past week, uh, we're going to start off with a less than positive note. Uh, after an off day on Monday, the Braves played the Mets on Tuesday, and they lost that opener four to three. Uh, this game felt like a game the Braves had to win for me because they were going up with a guy who's making just his second career start, who the Braves had also lost to uh, when he made his first career start. And you know, you get that big free run homer from Ozzy. felt like it felt like he had a good had a good chance with the way Morton was looking on the on the mound. But then some questionable umpiring, which again we're gonna, this is yeah. going to sound awfully familiar based on today's game too. Some questionable umpiring gave the Mets and Mets a base runner, and McCann hits a, James McCann hits a three-run homer, ties the game. Minter ends up giving up a homer, gives the Mets a lead. Offense does nothing in late innings. Again, this, time is a flat circle. This is what we've seen a lot. Is you know. <laughs> You know, like close yeah. games, the bullpen barely blows and the offense doesn't catch them up. I mean, do you have any other takeaways from the game other than that? I mean, that seems just kind of, it just feels like we're just watching the same thing over and over again with this team.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because as we record this, the Braves just scored yes. four in the ninth to tie it. I've, I've never – you and I and Brad have read a ton of these podcasts. And uh, being the 4th of July, full disclosure, Eric and I were like, hey, let's get this over with so we can enjoy some time with family and fireworks and whatever else and – uh and sure, sure, sure enough, the Braves have have come back, so um, that's why I'm laughing. Um, yeah, the Tuesday loss to it's the Mets, I, it comes. Yeah, without knowing what was going to happen on <clears throat> Wednesday and Thursday, uh, yeah, it was uh, off to a 3-0, 3-0 lead. The one blemish for Charlie Morton this year has been one bad inning, and yep. that got him again. And usually if he's been able to he, – he's been really, really good lately, and it's because he's been able to avoid the one big inning – um, but I, I think I tweeted it while watching the game. It feels like every loss this year has been the same. Um, they have an early lead, and they don't expand on the lead, and either the starter or the bullpen slowly let the lead dwindle down, and then before you know it, you blink, and they're suddenly down, and the lineup can't overcome or do anything, and before you know it, the game's over, and, and the Braves have lost. So that was a frustrating game, and thankfully, uh, Wednesday and Thursday's results were a little bit better, um, but yeah, again, it's, it's the groundhog day thing where they just, it was an important game and they just couldn't quite close it out.
1: Absolutely. And again, like, you know, again, Morton, he looked good for most of that start. It's as Scott mentioned, he just seems to always have an inning where either he gives up a big home run and like, it's, it's usually like a big free run Homer. It's not like a solo shot or anything like that. It's like the worst, you know, like a seeing eye single and then a walk on a questionable pitch followed by a three run Homer. That's just how it happens with him. And it's, you know, it's it's, Pretty frustrating because it just makes his line look – it's not representative of what kind of how he looked in the game, but, you know, that's just kind of how it goes, unfortunately. Now, Wednesday, on the other hand, uh, if you want to talk about actually expanding a lead, you know, the Braves need to do more of this, I think. I think they're just doing more games like Wednesday – We'll go a long way toward making this, uh, season go well. Uh, the Braves actually won 20 to 2 against the Mets. Uh, that's the thing that happened. Uh, oddly enough, not the first time they scored 20 runs this season. Uh, back in, <laughs> back on May 21st, they, uh, scored 20 against yeah. the, uh, the Pirates where, uh, like Ronnie hit a grand slam and it was still like the third best offensive game of a Braves guy in the lineup that, that day. It was <laughs> kind of wild. Um, so, you know, it didn't start awesome. Freddie, uh, not Freddie. Uh, Max Freed gave up a, uh, two run homer to Pete Alonso. Made you worry a little bit, especially with kind of coming off that, that close loss. But he did settle down, and um, that's where the fun started. So uh, <laughs> kind of take us through it, Scott, and what were your, kind of your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, it was, it's funny you mentioned. So they have two games where they've scored 20 runs. I mean, it, that, that helps the old run differential for sure. Um, I don't know if it's a uh, well, run Yeah, It's yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> that, their, their current run differential, which isn't
1: particularly great, yep. is actually significantly worse.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, as you said – You lose a tough game on Tuesday and then Pete Alonso comes out and hits a two-run homer and it's two-nothing and it's like, oh my gosh, in a series the Braves really needed to win two out of three. Suddenly it didn't look good, but as you said, thankfully the offense came alive and and 20 runs and basically everyone contributed. It was a a monster game for Ozzy Albies um, and Acuna kind of broke out of a a mini-skid that he was in from the series before. And... Um, even Kevin Smith, who has been playing a lot lately, I know we—he's uh, been a topic of conversation. I know they're—I'm sure they're trying to work on stuff with William Contreras off the field, and maybe they're trying to pull him back a little bit so he can uh, take a breather. And, and <laughs> with his with his current skid, but yeah, even Kevin Smith reached base four times, so it was all hands on deck and a, a much needed blowout win after a tough game on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, and again, like, it's one of those situations, too, where, you know, I wasn't sure why Edgar Santana was pitching in this game, but this is absolutely the kind of game that Jesse Chavez and Josh Tomlin needs to be pitching in, and that's exactly what happened, but uh on the offensive side, I mean, the Braves sent 11 batters to the plate in the fourth inning, they scored eight runs there, and they just don't ever take their foot off the gas, uh, Ozzy with a pair of homers, went five for six in that game with that homers, and seven RBIs, plus a stolen base and four runs scored, and that's that's kind of a game that he writes down as, like, kind of one of the best he's going to have his entire career. Just, it was really, really fun. Obviously, you know, any game that Ron Acuna Jr. home runs, hits a home run in, is always going to be, like, a one that I'm going to enjoy watching anyway. It was just kind of nice that everyone else decided to show up and, you know, join in on the fun. And here, hear Andre you know, look, he hasn't been what the spring training version of himself, where he was basically Babe Ruth. But, you know, it's nice, it's nice that he's kind of put in a position now where he's kind of more of a bench piece. And when he, and he, and he does contribute the way you'd expect a decent bench piece to contribute, right? Yeah. It's just like when he's up there pinch hitting, you don't think immediately, well, this isn't going to go well. You know what I mean? So overall, really kind of just happy how that game went. You know, maybe you would have preferred that they spread those more runs out a little bit over the course of the rest of the week. Cause I think that it was more important to kind of get results over the course of the week than just kind of looking like, like the 1927 Yankees on Wednesday but that's okay um, but so that kind of takes us through the middle of the week before we kind of go into the rest of the week and we kind of talk about this game which in theory should be over uh, by the time we get there um, we're going to take a quick break to listen to our work from our sponsors
0: hey this is Scott Galloway author, professor, entrepreneur and most importantly host of the Prop G podcast we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work where I answer all your questions on surprise The Future of Work
1: we're to Thursday, the the series finale, and the Braves actually win a close game against the Mets by the score of four to three. And this game was started by Jake Degrom. Now, I don't know about you, but I did not have particularly high hopes for this game based on just the fact that Jacob Degrom. I just hold him in such high esteem, particularly with how well he's pitching. But Austin Riley, did you see that pitch that he hit that yeah. home run off?
2: <laughs> even yeah, even DeGrom had no idea how Austin hit that ball out.
1: It, 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 it was a missile too. Like it was like a hundred miles an hour on the outside corner. Like you'd just be lucky to foul it off under the best of circumstances. And somehow Austin connects for that for a two-run homer. And really early in this game, the Braves had a 3-0 lead. You know, the RBI single from Ozzy, that two run homer from Austin Riley, and just like that, you have a 3-0 lead against a, a guy that just doesn't give up runs, period. I, I mean, I think that his, I mean, I think that his ERA is still healthily under one, and he's, and he certainly found himself again in this game. But Ian Anderson, considering the competition he was up against, and he clearly didn't have his best stuff, he was perfectly fine. Seven innings, three hits, two earned runs, two walks, only two strikeouts, but i like to see him miss more bats. But he was getting that kind of that weak contact, and the defense was making plays behind him. You know, considering what he was up against, I had no issues with what Ian did in this game. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tall task to go up against a guy in Jacob Degrom who was having an all time historic year. And even though the Braves got to Degrom in the first inning, you could tell Jacob was pissed, and he he just went God mode the rest of his the rest of his evening. And hey, that's, yeah, it
1: was just yeah, pretty rough the rest of the game. Yeah,
2: and you know, for Ian to know that he has to go out there and be pretty darn close to perfect knowing who is on the mound opposite of him that day. Yeah, he he was impressive. Um Ian is I think he's we almost uh he he's never really had that rookie hiccup or that rookie roadblock that so many young hitters and pitchers get as the league adjusts to them. He of course comes up last year and was very, very good, of course, carried the team through the through the playoffs uh, and this year he's been, he's had a couple of starts where he hasn't had full command and it's got away from him for a little bit, but Ian has been so steady. Um, he, he pitches like a veteran out there. You would never know the guy only has like 20 big league starts under his belt at this point. And yep. he was plenty good and thankfully they were able to, to scratch out something and, and get a win against the Grom because as, as we know, anytime you can win a game when he's on the mound is a, is a big victory.
1: Well, Will Smith certainly did his best to make sure that the Braves didn't come away with a win in that game because uh, he had another rough appearance, gives up a home run to tie that game. Uh, and by the way, if you want another indictment of the win as a statistic, all you need to know is that Will Smith was credited with a win in that game mm. because he gives up the tying home run, gets the win because uh, <laughs> this, this is this is a, this is a wild way to win in uh, the game, and, and actually. You and I kind of went back and forth on Twitter about this a little bit, so I kind of wanted like pick your brain about it now that we have some more time to think about it. So a throwing error from Lugo ends up with – ends up putting Guillermo Heredia on second base, then an intentional walk to Acuna. Again, that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. An unintentional walk to Ender Inciarte, which <laughs> I was – Blow. Like He was a really good at-bat, too. I was yeah. really surprised. Ender
2: put together one of his best at-bats all year for that moment.
1: last couple years, I think. I mean, like, he, was, yeah. he, fouled, off, he fouled off a couple of pitches. He, like, he spit on some really close pitches. I was like, okay, Ender, okay. <laughs> uh, and so that brings up Freddie Freeman with the bases loaded, right? He hits Lugo in the foot with a ground ball. Now, fielded by Luis Guillaume, Guillaume has to kind of – he's in the shift, and he kind of has to charge the ball and he immediately throws the first. If he had just stepped on third, then it's just a force out, and the game goes to extra innings. Instead, Freddie beats the throw to first, Braves win, walk off. My question is, because I'm of the opinion that based on how the play, now that I've actually looked at it a few times, it's that the the, the, the pivot to third base wasn't going to be as easy as it kind of looks like it should have been, just yeah. because of how he was having to run in, and kind of even like, he was having to like basically throw off balance even just to make a play at all. Do you kind of feel like that, that? You know, maybe that wasn't so much of a mistake on Giorm's but because definitely in real time it looked bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, did. yeah. You know, it's easy for us to say. as as my first reaction was, why on earth did he not just touch third base for the force out? But it's easy for me to say as I'm sitting on my couch, you know, <laughs> just not in the heat of the moment, and not with thirty thousand people screaming in the stands. Um, sure, if it was a simulated game, I'm sure that you react differently. It's just human nature. But hey, it was it was. Thankfully, it hit off of uh, off of Lugo's foot. I think Francisco Lindor probably would have been able to snag the ball as hard as it was off uh, up the middle. He was shifted, so it bouncing off his foot, and then the throw. Freddie was was hustling. Freddie is not the fastest man in the world, but he is certainly not slow. Uh, Freddie was booking it down the line. I mean, he was he was hauling. Um, and again, it, it it was a good way to win a game. It feels like the Braves have let so many close games slip away from them this year. It's really the reason that instead of being a few games over 500, they're they're a few games uh, below. And to win a game where I don't think the ball left the infield during the ninth inning rally, uh, so that that was a nice way. It felt like that game nope, was one sure The Braves of the Braves have lost a few times this year. For them to pull that one out against the Mets in a series. You know, it's it's hard to call games must-wins at the end of June or early July, but again, as the season progresses, you're going to run out of opportunities to make up ground on the Mets, and um, it was a nice way to, to finish out the series, and what we thought was going to finally kind of push the team over the edge with some momentum, um, it was a nice way to close out the week.
1: Absolutely. And again, kind of a, and kind of getting back to it. It was also a weird play because like Ronnie wasn't running full speed because like I think he was worried about running into a tag, which would, yeah. like again, if he was, yeah. if he's right behind Guillaume, Guillaume just puts his hand back and the, you know, and the, and in the innings over. You know, yeah. it was a super weird play. Everyone's like, why wasn't Ronnie running? And was like everyone was just kind of, it felt like in real time, everyone was just like trying to make these like really weird split second decisions, but it worked out well for the Braves and I don't think anyone's going to complain. Uh, so that takes us to the Marlins series. The Braves take two out of three against the Mets. And on Friday, this is going to be a fun one to talk about because we get to talk about the piece of work that is Don done Mattingly. Braves won one to nothing. And, you know, that kind of in indicates a pitching duel, which it was. And, you know, certainly some more frustrations from the Braves offense, which, again, there were. But, you know, we get a really good start from Drew Smiley, but that wasn't the story from this game. Right. We We could talk about. You know, Drew Smiley looking really good or the bullpen, you know, walking five guys in three plus innings and still managed to hold on to a shutout. But the start of this game was Marlins, the Marlins hitting Ronald Acuna Jr. on the first pitch of a game again. Now, I'll go ahead and say I am not convinced, although it is certainly suspect that because Pablo Lopez is on the mound and he hasn't been good against the Braves, the Marlins know it and the Braves know it. And the Marlins have a history of throwing an Acuna. That if you're going to have a guy throw at Acuna, in the possible chance that he'll get thrown out of the game, it's probably going to be Pablo Lopez in this series, and that's the guy who did it. So Acuna gets hit. He's obviously not happy about it. Gets put on first. Snicker rightly comes out and you know gives the umps and earful about it, because we've seen this over and over again. It's just that you know they the. The Marlins hit Acuna, they'll issue warnings, and then, then not only can the Braves not retaliate, but then it just seems like they, the, the Marlins continually get off scot-free doing it. Mm-hmm. But the um, umpires confer about it, and they threw Lopez out of the game. And then Mattingly came out, and they threw him out of the game. And <laughs> I will say that even if it wasn't on purpose, I think that given how this has been handled in the past, particularly in the playoffs when uh, Alcantara hit Acuna, and then like basically challenged him to a fight after the game, and nothing was done. Yeah. This is kind of something that had to happen. I just, I, I feel like it had to happen. Uh,
2: I agree with you. In a vacuum, if there was no history, of course you don't throw Pablo Lopez out, right? Like no. you got away no. from him. Players get hit, but this is not in a vacuum. There is three plus years of a history here. Uh, the Braves broadcast booth, uh, said they spoke with Joe West of, of all people, but Joe West told, uh, Chip Carey and Tom Glavin that, The umpires have been instructed that whenever there is a history between the teams that they need to treat the circumstances a little bit differently than if it was just a random one-off. And that was something that I don't believe had been
1: reported or anything like that. But I can't believe that Joe West, those words came out of his mouth though. Like that kind of blows my mind.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was right when they said, I was like, Oh, really Joe West of, of all people. But, um, yeah. So it was, it was again this is a repeated occurrence and Don Mattingly can say whatever nonsense he wants to say. But at some point you can't keep hitting Acuna in the first inning and not expect there to be some kind of consequence, right? Clearly Jose Urania had some, some issues, right? Like that was a very malicious intent to injure when he went head hunting after Ronald a few years ago. Um, The Sandy Alcantara, as you said, when he hit Ronald with a pitch and then basically challenged him to a fight after the loss, like, come on, what are we doing here? This is not the UFC. If you, if a pitch gets away from a guy, (laughs) that's one thing. But when a pitch continually gets away at a guy who has just tormented their franchise ever since it came up, like, enough is enough. And unless you start throwing pitchers out, there, you know, there's no repercussions here. Um, I get why the Marlins and Don Mattingly and, and Pablo Lopez, who is by all accounts a, a good person. Um, you know, this is, this is not a Jose Urania situation here where clearly there's a, a screw loose somewhere, but no, um, no, not at all. but, but at some point you have to enforce some kind of enforcement with this. And that's, that's the way to do it. And it's funny enough. I think after a couple innings, the Marlins bullpen was so good uh throughout the rest of the game it was like all right if they want to bring Pablo Lopez back out that's probably fine cuz the, the couple <laughs> of kids they me? Had yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah, I mean they were impressive The Marlins bullpen is very good. Really their whole pitching staff is is good. It's just the lineup that's not very uh competent right now, but yeah, it was a, it was a weird game and and funny enough the the hit by pitch with Acuña was the one run that scored for either team all night, so that was uh yep. that was a nice little redemption at the end of the evening.
1: Yeah, and after the game, uh, Don Mattingly decided to, uh, kind of double down on him being kind of, just kind of a miserable human being about this whole situation. Like, seems completely oblivious to the fact that this history could possibly instruct, uh, the umpire's decision making. And then decides to go after Mike Soroka, of all people, for throwing a 91 mile an hour fastball that didn't knock Pete O'Brien out of a game and said that he clearly did it on purpose and broke his rib. Oh, by the way, Peter O'Brien who ended up signing a contract with the Braves the next season. I, I was, I was so over once he started talking. I'm like, Oh, so it's good to know that you're not only trying to claim that the nicest guy in the league and Mike Soroka, threw on purpose at one of your guys. But well, then, basically, confirm that that's the reason that decided decision making to continue to hit Ron Lacuny and other Braves players. I, mm-hmm. I was so over it, but you know, again, it's whatever. I was going to uh, say
2: he's gonna. If you ever run into Don Mattingly, he's gonna. <laughs> he can't disrespect your son like that and expect no, to get. I no, mean, no, not not and, not
1: my adult son. Come no.
2: on, like three years ago, Don really. That's that's what you've been holding on to. And Peter O'Brien played. He continued to play. It wasn't like it was. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I know he, uh, the Marlins have also brought up Brian Anderson getting hit a few times, which is certainly fair. But the six times he's been hit, three of them were with breaking balls. Two of them were in his foot on like backdoor sliders that just cut too much. It's like these these things are not the same. There's a difference between drilling somebody in the rib cage or in the hand or in the elbow with a 95 fastball. And then a you know a curveball getting away from a guy and plunking him in the butt. The, those those two things are not equal. No,
1: but again, this is Don Mattingly. We're talking about you know he's not going to let the facts get in the way of the fact that he feels like the best way he can motivate his team is just by making them angry and you know adhering to kind of the old school way of baseball where you kind of enforce the old school the 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 rules as they see fit. Uh, and enforce them yourself by, you know, throwing at other guys, and it's just, it's kind of a mess. Uh, which made the next game, uh, which ended up being a 3-2 loss against the Marlins a little more interesting for me because I don't know about you, but among the guys that I would not want to, um, be, get involved in some sort of brawl or hit by pitch situation, it would, Kyle Muller would be near the top of the list, all 6-5 and 250 of him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he likes to fight trucks in the off-season, but again, that didn't happen. Uh, there was no hit by pitch in, from either game, which either team, which honestly was nice. I, I just I don't want to think about like guys getting headhunted by either team. It just it's does it's not fun to watch. It's you know the people who like that sort of stuff kind of drive me crazy. It's like you know they like the drama of it. And I'm like no, the, like I don't think you understand what 96 miles an hour at a person's body can do to them. And it just it can it's just don't do it. I'm glad that didn't happen. Um, tough loss though. Not a single extra base hit from the Braves. Uh, despite getting eight hits in the game, not a single extra base hit, uh, just a fun little note for the, just to put the ball in play crowd. If you want to know why teams like to hit for power and hit for extra bases, it's this stuff right here because ground balls that are weakly hit and things like that, little singles here and there don't very often result in enough runs being scored. So, um, this is also probably the worst that we've seen Kyle Muller and I kind of want to just touch base on what your kind of thoughts are from him about not only this game, but what you've seen since he's come up. But, but, you know, again, probably the worst we've seen him, the command wasn't really there, but still, was perfectly fine despite the three runs in the walks. You know, he struck out seven in five innings and he kept the game reasonably close.
2: I've been very impressed with Kyle and you and the awesome Talking Chop prospect team have have seen him and his development throughout the minors oh, over the last couple of years. But um, and be sure to listen to Road to Atlanta if, if you guys don't, which is available on this very podcast feed um you like that brad will be happy with it yeah he's Um, been real happy with the plug i'm
1: gonna make sure i'm gonna do a little timestamp. let him know where it was okay there you go we're good we got it
2: it. it. but no i've i've been very impressed with kyle i love the pace that he pitches with um he is as you said a massive human being um he throws hard he's he's done a good job of keeping his breaking stuff down in the zone i mean if, if he can keep his fastball elevated and his breaking stuff down, that is a huge recipe for success, right? Especially in, in today's game where everyone's trying to lift everything. Uh, that is, that's is—that's going to work for Kyle. He's been impressive. Inevitably, as teams get more and more video of him, he's going to have to make adjustments, just as all young pitchers do. But um, this year, whenever they've needed a young pitcher to step up, really all year long they've, they've been able to find someone, and that's the beauty of having so much depth. Wasgari Noah was so good early on. Tucker Davidson was really, really good before his elbow issue. Um, they've and then I would imagine that after the All Star break, I would imagine Moeller will be right back in the in the mix. Um, so yeah, I've I've been very impressed, and I'd I'd like to know your thoughts on him since you've you've certainly seen him more than most.
1: So the thing I've been impressed with overall has been – the thing that kind of gets me with Kyle is that his command can be really kind of out there, particularly of his fastball, and we saw that a bit on Saturday. The fastball command wasn't really there, but when he's commanding that fastball, like it's – that ball jumps out of his hand. He throws so hard from the left side, and then he kind of changes speeds really well. His tunnels are good. The movement's good on his pitches, but if he's commanding his fastball, then you have to kind of respect that the pitch is going to be in the strike – that could be in the strike zone because generally speaking, his breaking stuff – tends to dive out, right? Like it tends to move out of the zone and it gets where he gets those like really funky swings between the changeup and the curve ball. But you know, if he's commanding his fastball and he can kind of dot it in the zone, then all of a sudden you start seeing those little swings happening. If he's not commanding his fastball, guys don't respect it as much, and he starts giving up walks, and then he has to kind of take some of that off that fastball, kind of throw in that low 90s range, which is – I think he needs to be thrown a little bit harder than that for his stuff to play up. So, again, I think he's been great. I mean, considering that like, his debut was against – was well, other than the, the bullpen game, that he had to come out of the bullpen during that doubleheader, which I don't think anyone's going to count against him at all. That was a weird situation. Yeah. But he de- yeah. debuts against DeGrom. Second start was legitimately great. And then this start still strikes out seven and five innings Uh and c- keeps the game close. In this game, this loss was not because of Kyle Muller. No one believes that, right? It was the offense not do- getting anything done. But fortunately, Ozzy Albies, another RBI knock. We like to see that. Brave, Frey Freeman gets them within a run with an RBI single in the seventh. And then the bottom of the lineup comes up, and survey says loose Because, again, this is, one, we, 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 this is what happens over and over again. It's like even when they get a little bit of offense going, once the bottom of the lineup comes up, it's like five straight guys just have not been able to produce on a consistent basis. You, you know, we've seen certainly stretches from Austin where he's performed well. Occasionally, Dansby decides to chip in. He's helped out. He actually chipped in a little bit today. But it's been frustrating because these are, these are the losses we have is with these close one-run games where just the bottom of the lineup – or just the offense in general just can't get it done late in games. They they, they slowly, slowly tried to you know inch their way back into the game, but just couldn't get it done. And that takes us to Sunday,
0: <laughs> which, which the Brains the- just
1: won. <laughs> By the score of 8 to 7. Look, look, this is in real time, by the way. On a wild pitch. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, I did not see any of this rally whatsoever. I was, I was getting set up for this podcast. The Braves did win this game to win their second series in a row. Um, by the score, again, by the score of 8 to 7. I really need to see what kind of wild pitch would score Austin Riley. Um, so. We'll walk you through the, sun, the game Sunday up until the end, and then I'm gonna kind of make sure Scott and I can get caught up as exactly what happened. Uh, this game started well. Uh, third inning, Ronald Acuña Jr. connects for his 23rd home run. Uh, he's making it more and more like, making me more and more nervous that I'm gonna have to get tattooed, uh, if he ends up with the 40-40 club this mm-hmm. year. Um, <laughs> the runs get, Marlins get a run back on the sack fly. And then we get to talk about our old friend, Adam Duvall, who connected for one home run in this game for sure. Almost another one, Scott. What was the over/under on your mind? Now? Like how how much damage Adam Duvall was going to do in this series against the Braves?
2: Uh, at this point, even if Duvall didn't get a single hit for the Braves all year long, it probably would have been worth it to bring him back just just so he wouldn't inflict all this pain on us. Um, he's he's had a, a heck of a year against Atlanta. Other than against us, there really hasn't been much to to talk about. He's he's not hitting super well, but man. The Adam Duval revenge tour has been painful to watch and by all accounts Adam is an outstanding person. He was very fun to watch whenever uh he was winning, uh with the Braves the last couple of years and um but yeah, I mean he's he's been a a real problem uh, anytime the Braves go up against him.
1: Absolutely. Uh and I also kind of in real time this is happening uh there seems to be some discussion as to whether an Austin Riley touched home plate
2: he, and this play is huh? Uh, they Well, they called him out. This is uh this is crazy. We've never done a podcast like this, Eric. They, <laughs> I guess even though uh, the Marlins pitcher stepped in front of the plate, they say that Austin did not touch the plate, and now there's two outs and the game is still going on. Holy it, moly.
1: Oh, this is too funny. Uh, And, you know, friendly reminder that Alec Boehm still hasn't touched home plate and he's still somehow called safe. For uh, the and what I assume is probably very more clearly – uh. Clear evidence that he didn't do so. But again, neither here nor there. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that shortly because it seems like this game could be going on for a little while longer. Uh, this is too funny. Uh, so, uh, Dansby hits a double, brings the Braves within a run, uh, after Adam Duvall hits the home run to give him a 4-2 lead. That makes it 4-3. We thought that Duvall was gonna hit the other home run, hit another home run off of Chris Martin. Uh, you know, but it seemed like, and Ronnie was right on top of that. They're like, no, he's like, review that. That's not a home run. Uh, ends up being, you know, ends up him singling in the day back. bat. Loads the bases somehow. Chris Martin gets out of it. He's not looked good, by the way. He's not looked good in his last few appearances. At all.
2: He, uh, yeah, Chris misses the sticky stuff. I think he uh, that he's yep. somebody who, ever since I mean, what's it been three weeks now since they've they've announced that they're going to be enforcing the sticky rule. Um,
1: it's, hit, it's, it's hit the Braves bullpen hard.
2: Yeah, I mean it has. Um, it's it's been. For him and a few other guys have seen drops in their spin rates, and, and I think he's probably been, um, him and Tyler Matzik especially, Luke Jackson also saw has seen a, a drop off in his spin rate. But um, yeah, Chris has not been nearly as sharp as he was, and hopefully as the season progresses, he's able to kind of settle in a little bit
1: absolutely and again you know it's not as simple as like you know there's guys in this Braves team like tyler matzik luke jackson who have seen their spin rates really drop off but there's also the like the command of your pitches and just being used to throwing with it and i think that's what we're seeing on martin is just he's not used to throwing without that same like that same grip and that, that's that's a hard thing to get adjusted to i don't necessarily fault the guy for that um now this kind of gets us late into the game and we're actually now we're not i'm not sure if we're gonna be able to be done in time to um to find out the result of this game so you know we're either happy or sad <laughs> We'll go ahead and just default to that because Freddie Singles in the bottom of the eighth uh, ends up getting caught stealing on a steal of second. You know, so it's kind of a terrible play overall. You know, obviously, there's you know there's plenty of people were trying to tell me that, you know, it looks like it was a blown hit and run or something like that. I just hope that there's a certain amount of, you know, we can't make dumb mistakes, whether it's a blown hit and run or just a dumb mistake, because that's exactly how Ron Lacuna Jr. is treated. If you just keep saying that guys like Dansby and and Freddie, when they make mistakes, it's just guys trying to be aggressive. And then when guys like Ron Lacuna Jr. or Ozzy Albies make a mistake, it's because they're just stupid and you can't make stupid mistakes. If you want to win ballgames, that's where the the problem that I have is that there there is a certain amount of inconsistency about it. But I think you'll agree uh, that decision by Freddie certainly looked pretty bad when it happened.
2: Yeah, know if it was a missed signal somewhere i i don't know but again that, that's just a tough i mean it's, it's just not a very smart play to make there especially for aussie who's been going so so well and obviously it's it's something that's going to get buried as the uh chaos of the 10th ninth and 10th innings we currently have max freed stepping to the plate with the bases loaded uh <laughs> so this game has gone completely off the rails here oh,
1: this is too uh,
2: we we thought they had won then they had lost i alec bohm still hasn't touched the plate i don't know what's happening but um we have never done this before eric but yes this is, this looking, is too good this going is back, which is like two hours now in real time at this point it was a weird decision to send freddie there i don't know if freddie went on his own or if the dugout sent him or what but that that's not a very that's not a heads-up baseball play in that situation and um i guess uh, if we can only hope that that this crazy game i'm, I'm trying to stretch here as you can probably tell <laughs> Uh, is, <laughs> is, uh, is, is gonna go down to the wire and, and, uh, yeah.
1: This is, this is too funny to me. Uh, so this brings us where we go completely off the rails and we, and where we started this podcast thinking that the Braves had no chance of winning this game because, uh, Shane Green enters the game. Shane Green, who has been really, really bad since being signed. Like he only had a couple, couple appearances down in Gwinnett. He looked okay in those appearances in Gwinnett, but since he's been up in Atlanta, he has not looked good at all. And I, it's almost to the point now where I think that it might be worth it. To like not throw him while he works on some stuff because and it's not completely his fault right like he doesn't start he didn't start the 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 year with a team didn't go like through a regular spring training process kind of got rushed back out there because the Braves really needed the bullpen arm but they certainly they had guys who could that they were running out there who could throw with a seven eleven fifty seven ERA right like I think that they I think that they kind of need to give him some more time to get built back up and you know get right but he comes into this game.
2: (laughs) <laughs> on the top of the ninth, gives up a home run. Max Free just – oh. oh, that's too good. All I right. apologize. Uh, okay. But, but uh, Max Free just roped a line drive to center field to win this crazy-ass game.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm, I'm going to queue you up here for the the ninth inning rally on so you can kind of explain to our listeners why it's happening and why we're laughing so hard. But the top of the ninth saw – Sandy Leon, all 400 OPS of him, connects for a home run off of Shane Green. Then he gives up another home run to Jesus Aguilar. And just like that, it's a 7-3 lead. And it looks like that the Braves have no chance of winning this game. And Scott and I are going to be really upset talking about them having another 500 uh, week in a week where they really couldn't afford it. And then the bottom of the ninth, and there's the chat. Scott, you're up.
2: Yeah, no, I, my one thing, I, I think you're right. I, I would give Shane a little more time to get his legs under him. Um, it was it was eye raising to me that no other teams wanted Shane this off season, and he wasn't bad last year. But I think it's clear that he probably isn't as good as he once was. Um, for him to then join mid season, not really have a spring training, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, um, I would not hate it if if they sit down with Shane and say Shane, let's try to get you some work um alas the ninth inning braves are down seven to three and if you (laughs) were stepped outside to start grilling and missed it uh it went with a austin riley single uh dansby hit into a fielder's choice but then uh guillermo had a single um arcia had a single pablo walked abraham almonte hit a two-run double down the line to make it seven to six Ronald yep, Acuna yep. hit a sack fly to tie it at 77. It was a really good at bat by Acuna who went down 0-2 early and, uh, fought back to, um, to, to tie it. Intentional walks to Freddie and Ozzy and then a really tough slider that struck out Austin Riley. Um, so that took us to the 10th. Again, as, uh, as you and I started recording this a little while ago, it was 7-3 to and we figured the Braves with the bottom of the yep. order up had no, no real chance. Yep. We'll, we'll come out and say it. It is the 4th of July. We have, we, <laughs> we have stuff going on, but man, what a uh, what a crazy rally in the ninth, and thankfully for once they they took advantage in the 10th.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, we have the 10th inning where the, Will Smith pitches well. Not Nothing crazy happens. Starts with the extra runner. Runner moves over on and out, but beyond that, gets the job done. Braves load the bases. We see Austin Riley getting called out at the plate on that weird play where, you know, it looks like it was, the plate was blocked, but ends up being called out because he didn't touch home plate. After a, a lengthy review, then somehow Max Freed gets put in a position where he has to pinch hit. Drives in the winning run. Braves win 8-7. to seven. Now the Braves have won two straight series, are 4-2 and two in the week, which is – you take that every time this week. If you just win both series, it's not ideal because, again, you want to just make up as much ground as you can against the the – Against the really bad teams in this in this division, and Miami is in the last place team. But now that we know that they've won both series back to back this week, how are you feeling on the Atlanta Braves?
2: <laughs> what a difference forty five minutes makes. um it, it was a big game, exactly. To it Right? Yeah. I mean, this was a game to uh, win two out of three against the Mets and then lose two out of three to the Marlins would have been really really tough. And again as we've said a few times, by no means is the season over, regardless of what happened today. But you need to beat the teams that are behind you in the standings and in a pretty competitive National League are are one of the worst teams. Um, So yes, for the Braves to score four in the ninth and come back, especially after Shane Green had imploded in the top half of the inning, Um, Will Smith worked a very clean top of the 10th. And then um, I do want to thank Don Mattingly, who intentionally walked Kevin Smith to bring Max Freed up to the plate. I think most people would, <laughs> I would, would tell I would you
1: absolutely i would absolutely want to face kevin smith more than Max Breed, full
2: 10 stop. times yeah 10 times out of 10 so thank you don for that decision but um yes if if uh if you're looking for a way to, to celebrate here today, I mean, that, that's a big win. I know the the Mets are, <clears throat> they have a doubleheader in New York today. Um, so again, you, you don't want to uh, fall even farther back. And now hopefully they can take some of this momentum into their series against the Pirates. And then they will see these very Marlins in a week. Um, it, it was a good comeback win. And, and honestly, a lot of fun to do this live with you, Eric. We were kind of worried. It's like, man, if if they go to the eleventh inning here, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna have to do like Scott and Eric's favorite baseball movies until the game wrapped up or something like that. So it well, was hey, a, hey, uh, a good hey, win. We, got,
1: we, we, we can save that podcast for the off season when we're gonna have to find things to talk about, uh, especially right. with a potential, with a potential work stoppage coming up. Uh, so we gotta make sure we gotta keep all those, you know, Scott and Eric's recipes for you know, you know, favorite recipes for you know various casseroles and stuff like that. We'll do yeah. cooking shows and stuff like that if it comes to it. But uh so Braves win 4-2 uh and it's worth mentioning too. The Mets did win 10-5 to 5 the first half of that doubleheader today against the Yankees. Uh. So they do that so they so they do get to keep pace with them at the very least. Um again, really important and I I said this last week is that I just felt like that if you don't have a winning record this week it's just not going to happen because okay. if you can't have a winning record against this schedule, you're not going to have one after the break. It's not going to happen. So but now that they, they've done it and they, they showed some real heart today and this kind of win feels like the wins that the Braves used to like the, the improbable ones from last year and from 2019 where they've just come back from these like crazy deficits like their starting pitcher gives up nine runs in the first inning. They come back and win the game. You know, this is a really improbable win. Very, sure. very improbable. And they managed to get the job done. And like, you sh- people should take heart from that, is that they managed to get something done. And who started that rally? One Orlando Arcia, who we started this <laughs> show talking about, uh, talking about, uh, helped, helped get that rally started, uh, played well today. Maybe this is the start of something fun. Um, who knows? Maybe Scott and I will make our, start making our debut, do calling games as they're happening uh, over the course, uh, to kind of keep the good run going. Anything else you want to share with listeners before we let them go?
2: No, I hope uh, I hope everyone enjoys their their Fourth of July weekend. Thank you for for tuning in as always, and um, yeah, a a, a nice note to end these podcasts on. It's been a frustrating and and trying year, but uh, you, you hope, and we've said this before, and and who knows what it'll be, but you hope that the team can take this big win on a Sunday on getaway day and off day Monday, but then. They, they should be able to, again, there's, there's no, uh, guarantees with baseball, but hopefully springboard into a good series with the Pirates. You never want to call for a sweep, but frankly, they, you would hope they could sweep them. Um, and then end up the year with the Marlins, who even though, uh, it seems like whenever these two teams meet, there's fireworks and, and there's, um, you know, it's, it's a contentious series. So um, good to be on with you, Eric, and, and help you and the fam enjoy the rest of your 4th of July.
1: Absolutely. I'm sure we're going to, it's going to be a good time watching these fireworks here in a little bit. Uh, one special note that this coming week, we are finishing up our draft preview content over here on talking Chop. Uh You know, minor league stuff still going on, on our end, but we're also really cranking up our draft coverage because the draft starts on the 11th, which is just one week away from today. And it's frankly causing me to have a bit of anxiety about it, but Matt powers is working really hard at getting all these positional rankings up so you guys have a general sense as to what guys are going to be taking where and how much you should like them and how much you shouldn't working really hard to get that done so that's going to be finished rolling out this week Uh, in addition to the usual minor league content and the usual major league coverage content that we put on talking chop so make sure you're keeping an eye out for that because going into next week it's going to be all draft all the time you will not be hearing from me again until after round one of the draft on Sunday, where I'm going to be sitting down with Matt. And we're going to break down whoever the Braves select. We really appreciate everyone for taking the time to listen and download the podcast. Make sure you're telling your friends about it. Make sure you subscribe to the feed and whatever podcast provider you choose to use. Make sure you let your friends know to leave a, re, uh, a nice five star review for us as well. As well, it helps to it helps to grow the podcast. You get this podcast as well as the, our minor league podcast, The Road to Atlanta, hosted by yours truly every week. We thank you all so much, and next time, and we'll see you next time.